All right, um, welcome back to this uh, leadership course. Uh, we have come a long way and we are almost there. Um, today we're going to be looking at a new um, pillar of good Christian leadership. And that pillar is called facing crisis and conflict. One of the biggest challenges that leaders face today is when they get to a difficult situation or they get to a, uh, a scenario where it has a lot of strife, they actually don't know how to react in such scenarios. So we're going to see how to face crisis and conflict in any particular setting of leadership. If you're going to run a business, if you're going to run a ministry, if you're going to run um, a department, you need to know how to face a crisis and how to face a conflict because, you know, the Bible says that in this world you'll face many trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer for I have overcome. Count it all joy when you face all diverse kinds of trials and persecutions for the trusting, for the trying of your faith the triangle of your faith broods patience so the bible has um, affirmed to us that in one particular way or the other we are going to face um, seasons of trials and we need to understand how to actually face them uh, from word perspective but also from knowledge perspective and so um, let's get right in facing crisis and conflict um, for you as a good spiritual leader um, you must know how to depend on the Lord during hard and difficult times you must know how to you must know how to well someone might say you're giving us a theory of I must know how to how do I know how to depend on the Lord simple have the word of god in your life for every situation that you face have a scripture for every situation that you face there's no condition in the word that is not covered so have a scripture for every situation no wonder when christ is tempted by the devil the very first statement he says is it is written it is written it is written so when you face a crisis what is written what is written so have a scripture for every situation that you face and from there you can have the foundation because you're built on the rock you can have the foundation on how to depend on the Lord in hard and difficult times you'll have to rely on God's wisdom to know how to bring your people through change through chaos and through uncertainty you'll become a guiding light during times of war whether spiritual or physical with times of famine where there seems to be no fruit and um, when there is a social upheaval where you know there's a rough patch between 
a couple of people. So you have to exercise wisdom and become a guiding light. Now, the life of you as a leader uh, is usually filled with a series of routine events, opportunities, threats, and crises. Um, and you as a leader, when you're going through hard times or you're taking your people through storms, in addition to your skills and experience, you should be committed to upholding your integrity and faith in God. You should be uh, committed to upholding your integrity and your faith in God. You have to know how to use the power of faith within yourself to stand firm in facing critical situations. What is faith? The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things to come. You must learn how to stand firm in your faith, knowing that even if this is what I'm seeing, but in the spiritual realm I have a hope that tomorrow I'm going to have these results and whether I see it or not, I know the word of God is sure and it will do whatsoever it is purposed to do. Now, usually many leaders actually crack down under pressure. I have had the opportunity of having some few potential leaders in my life who when they face a very tight situation, they break down emotionally, they break down under pressure and they cannot handle the weight of the situations they are facing. But one of the masteries that you have to attain as a potential leader or someone that leads a group of people is you must learn how to maintain a strong firm pillar, especially when you're facing heavy pressure. And most um, people actually end up selling out too soon or they begin to settle for too little. But you as a leader, you should uphold the faith of your people. You should uphold the faith of your people. Now, we have to look at uh, how to prevent crisis. We're going to look at crisis prevention. The book of Proverbs chapter 14 and verses 8 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 14, verses 15. It says, A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his step. A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. Let's look at Proverbs 14, verses 18. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. When you're dealing with crisis, you have to have prudence in all you do. Don't take things lightly. Don't be simple-headed. You have to be prudent. Critically analyze things. Now, I'm going to give you about seven steps that you can take to prevent a crisis. And when you fo follow these um, steps carefully, they serve as a safety valve against um, your staff infection, against, you know, 
having your people begin to lose faith. So I'm going to give you seven steps to prevent a a crisis. So step number one, step number one, never embark on a mission or project unless you are confident it will succeed. If you want to prevent a crisis, number one, never embark on a mission or a project unless you are confident that it will succeed. Now, let me help you understand this. It's actually a waste of time and resources to embark on goals blindly, but with good training, good equipment, and qualified personnel, you can be assured of victory unless the unexpected happens. So, never embark on a mission or project unless you are confident that it will succeed. Number two, step how to prevent a crisis. Exercise wisdom and train and equip your people well if you want excellence. Exercise wisdom, train and equip your people well if you want excellence. Let me help you understand it. A poorly trained team and lack of competence in team members will guarantee failure. So you as a wise leader, you should not assign an incompetent person to do an important job because one person's procrastination can disrupt the work um, of others and undermine productivity and erode morale and create unnecessary stress on others. So train and equip your people and never put an incompetent person to do an important job. That way you'll prevent a crisis. Step number three, no difficult situation should be tackled with inadequate resources or unqualified team members. No difficult situation should be tackled with inadequate resources or unqualified team members. Why? This can complicate the situation and waste more time and resources. Okay? Never undertake a difficult situation with lack of resources or inadequate resources or unqualified team members there you're headed for a crisis okay we're going to look at step number four that you have to consider to prevent a crisis one um we're going to see um this now pay attention a trained and well equipped team can fail if they have poor leadership or lack good direction. Good leadership is actually the key to success. So if you want a good team to fail, give them poor leadership. If you want a poor team to succeed, give them good leadership. Now, obviously, the ideal is to have a well-trained team with excellent leadership. The best example I can give you is football. 
most people actually are fans of football or at one point or the other you have seen people who are fans of football and you will see that a poor team will be given a good coach as a leader and that team will begin to perform or you'll find a very good team with a bad coach and that team will begin to do so badly but if you have a balance of both then you're going to have inevitable results so that's the same aspect even in ministry when you have poor people who are not trained and equipped and you give them a good leadership they're prone to success or if you have well-trained people and you give them a bad leader they're prone to fail but if you have a balance of both then you'll have good success so to avoid a crisis uh, a trained and well-equipped team should be given good leadership so that they can have uh, the right direction step number five to prevent a crisis good discipline should always be maintained good discipline should always be maintained lack of discipline among the team members can cause failure lack of discipline only guarantees confusion it wastes time and wastes resources if you have indisciplined people discipline them if they are indiscipl- uh, if they are, if they cannot be disciplined then step down those are people you cannot lead you know and 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 get to the right place remember in 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 being open to change we said a leader must know when to step down so if you have a team that you're trying to drag you know you're trying to drag uh, you can take a goat you know to a water place but you cannot force it to drink so if if you've taken it to the water place and it's not drinking come on you know maybe you're not the shepherd uh, of that particular animal or of those particular people so have that at the back of your mind because good discipline uh, if it's well maintained then you're going to avoid a crisis and you're going to have uh, success in the people that you're leading to accomplish the mission that you have ahead of you step number six to prevent a crisis is always follow an orderly chain of command always follow an orderly chain of command one of the biggest limitations for ministries today is they don't have a clear chain of command they don't have a clear chain of uh, accountability they don't have a clear chain to report to this one reports to the other the other one brings information back down and then it goes up and then the top gets to know or you find pastors that don't trust people so they have a report from john then they'll get the same report from jude they'll get the same report from andrew they'll get the same report from timothy and then they'll get the same report from james and everyone will give a report sometimes deferring which makes everyone who gave a report incompetent so you have to have an orderly chain of command because clear instruction good training and organizational structure will ensure against 
failure, confusion, and lack of direction. So always maintain a sense of unity by making sure the chain of command is orderly from the top to the bottom and from the bottom to the top. Have that chain of command um, functional. Step number seven to prevent a crisis. Step number seven. A wise leader will always set deadlines for themselves or others and sticks to them. Very important. Sticks to them. If you say, I'm going to do something on the 8th of February, whether the factors are consistent or inconsistent, you stick to the deadline and you do everything possible to achieve what the deadline is supposed to achieve. Now, apathy, laziness, distraction, and interference can all lead to a self-inflicted crisis which was created by the failure to do what needs to be done within acceptable time limits or according to established standards. So it is important for you as a leader to understand that there may be times in your leadership when hard decisions must be made if the ministry is to succeed. And it is a wise and courageous leader um, uh, who must understand uh, that time has come and you need to act decisively when that opportunity arises. So have that at the back of your mind as a leader and you'll see the results that you need to see. Now, situations can usually arise that may require you as a leader to reorganize your priorities or your schedule. But as a leader, you must learn to be flexible and be willing to change planned activities when issues of higher priority or crisis present themselves. I know people, when it's time for their family and there is a crisis at church, they're still going to attend to their family and say, I'll attend to the crisis later. But you as a leader, you must be flexible that if you had some schedules and a very important thing has arisen at church, you're able to make a sacrifice and go attend to the matters of the church and then attend to your issues later. Seek the Lord and all his righteousness and the rest of the things shall be added unto you. If you establish the peace in the house of God, there will be peace in your household. But if the house of God lacks peace, then there can never be peace in your household. So always look at the priorities of your calling and attend to them when the need arises. Now, under crisis and conflict, I need to show you signs of deterioration. Yeah, signs of deterioration. There is positive uh, there is positive growth, but there is also negative growth. Instead of growing in increase, you can grow in decrease. Yeah? Instead of multiplying in increase, you can multiply in decrease. So you multiply by decreasing instead of multiplying by increase. So I want to show you some signs of deterioration that you have to note. When you begin to see these signs in the ministry, 
then you need to start acting immediately. Don't wait for it to go rock bottom and then uh, try to find solutions to the crisis. But look at the signs of deterioration. When you see things are happening, know you're headed for a crisis. And when you see these signs, then you begin to find solutions as quick as possible. Now, a ministry organization can begin to crumble if the key people fail to detect signs of decline or atrophy. Yeah, it can begin to crumble and it can crumble fast. You have to be like Hezekiah. As soon as he was informed that, hey, time is up, time is up, he goes back and begins to pray. And the prophet has to come back and say, the Lord has heard your prayer and forgiven you. So you have to know, be discerning. Now let's look at number one sign of deterioration. Number one sign of deterioration. There is a tendency toward superficiality, lack of depth, and genuine friendships. Let's look at the book of Revelations, chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. It says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now, sometimes people begin to feel they're in charge, you know, and yet they're not deep, and then they're not genuine friendships. Uh, people pretend around you. You know, they tell you one thing and they go say another thing to another person. There's no genuine friendships. No, those are signs of a deterioration in your leadership, and you have to be very careful, or else the, lead, the people you're leading or the organization you're leading is about to crumble. Sign of deterioration number two, there is tension among key people because of disagreements or having different visions or agendas. There begins to have friction, strife among different people. Just know you're beginning to deteriorate and you need to um, attempt to solve that, cri uh, that circumstance before it develops into a crisis. Uh, we can see an example in the book of Matthew chapter 12 and verses 25. It says, But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. When you look at the book of Amos chapter 3 verses 3, uh, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Can two walk together unless they are agreed? So you have to understand that when you begin to see signs of tension amongst key people, the administrators have friction, the chief uh, pastors, and uh, there's friction everywhere, then you know uh, you're beginning to deteriorate, and so you need to find a solution as quick as possible, or else the organization will crumble. Uh, sign of deterioration number three, you see when discontented people outnumber contented people, then you'll have more problems than solutions. When discontented people 
outnumber contented people, you'll have more problems than solutions. Let's look at the scriptures in Proverbs chapter 15 and verses 17. It says, It's better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf with hatred. Proverbs 17 verses 1, Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. When you see there are a lot of discontented people, they're complaining about this, they're grumbling about that, they, they don't like this, they don't like that. And the number of those people is bigger than the people who are saying, but we're making progress, we're trying. You know, we're better than where we used to be. Then you know you'll have more problems than solutions because the contented people can try to bring solutions. But the discontent will try to show you all the problems and how it's not going to work. Sign of deterioration number four. A controlling spirit will begin to emerge among leaders. A controlling spirit will begin to emerge among leaders. Now such a spirit is referred to in scripture as a yoke of bondage. A yoke of bondage. When you look at Galatians chapter 5 and verses 1, the Bible says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now, when you see Rehoboam, who is our perfect example of a leader whose style represents a controlling spirit, when you see in the book, um, let me open the scriptures, when you see in the book of uh, First Kings chapter 12, we're going to read from verses 4 to about verses 11. It says, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served with his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, If today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young people who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him replied, tell these people who have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our, light, our yoke lighter. Tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. So every time you begin to see a controlling spirit amongst your leaders, know that that is a red flag showing you that there is a sign of deterioration. So be very careful. 
and it's common among most leaders when they feel like they're losing control then they begin to have a controlling spirit you must do what i say when i say it how i say it why i say it and you cannot apply your mind to it that is a controlling spirit you know very well that the bible says where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty and stand fast therefore in the liberty by which christ has made us free and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage yoke of bondage in scripture again is what we refer to as a controlling spirit sign of deterioration number five is uh, people get into a maintenance mode they lose sight of the overall vision and become more concerned with the daily chores they have to be pressured into performance rather than being self-motivated when you look at the book of proverbs chapter 29 verses 18 it says where there is no revelation the people cast off restraint but blessed is he who keeps the law so people begin to go into a maintenance mode instead of uh, uh, pursuing the vision they, they begin to you know let's let's keep what we have as opposed to acquiring more if it's for a business if the business has made 10 million instead of pushing the business to make now 20 million 30 million 50 million they begin to say let's see how to maintain the 10 million that we have so that the business doesn't make losses that is a sign of deterioration uh, factor number six sign of deterioration they lose the sense of creativity there is a stagnation things are done the same way no one has morale to change something no one has the morale to do something new they lose the sense of creativity there's no creativity anymore okay uh, sign number seven they lose the anointing of the holy spirit they lose the anointing of the holy spirit first samuel chapter 16 verses 14 it says now the spirit of the lord had departed from saul and an evil spirit from the lord tormented him they lose the anointing of the holy spirit for leadership and that is very deadly so you can have people who are actually not operating by the anointing of the holy spirit but they are operating by a contrary spirit which is deadly for a leader but that's why in the book of first corinthians chapter 12 the bible says that one of the giftings of the holy spirit is the discerning of spirits glory to god for that spirit glory to god for that spirit that sweet holy spirit that helps us to discern spirits because it's easy to have people who have a contrary spirit as people that are leading or as people that are being led and it's hard for a man who is not discerning to tell and so you'll find your leadership is very 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 filled with strife but if you have the spirit of god you will tell that this man is no longer operating by the spirit but by a contrary spirit and if you can deal with that when the time is right and then you can avoid a crisis um, so those are signs of uh, 
uh, deterioration that are about to lead to a crisis. Now we're going to look at another thing which is very important. Crisis management. How do we manage a crisis? How do we deal with a crisis? How do we handle a crisis when it arises? How do we prevent another crisis from occurring? Okay, that's what we're going to look at. Number one, be courageous. Be courageous. Um, a leader's influence actually shrinks or expands in proportion to your courage in times when your people need you the most. Courageous leaders take risks and face challenges willingly. A leader will realize that the path to success is filled with obstacles and setbacks and you must learn how to work around obstacles and difficult situations as well as through them. As you learn how to handle them, you'll gain increased respect from your people. Proverbs 24 verses 10, it says, If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? When you look at Joshua 1, 6 and 7, it says, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give. But be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. So as a great leader, know that it is impossible to lead people without encountering some rough moments along the way, okay? Now, you must refuse to quit in hard times. Refuse to quit. Refuse to quit in hard times. You must keep on trying, uh, creating small victories, even in the face of impossibilities, okay? You, you must also understand this concept that um, skyscrapers were built brick by brick at a time. The tallest building in Uganda today, which stands to be Mapera, I think, or the URA building, whichever it is, you must know that it was built brick by brick until where it was. So don't meet impossibilities at your goal, step by step, small victories, okay? Isaiah chapter 28 verses 20 says, For it is do and do, do and do, rule on rule, rule on rule, a little here, a little there. Very important scripture that I love. It says, For it is do and do, do and do, rule on rule, rule on rule, a little here, a little there. Okay, if you're going to achieve, have that scripture at the back of your mind. Isaiah 28 verses 20. A leader who has a good team will tackle any situation. So you must surround yourself with the most knowledgeable people, organize them appropriately, train them effectively, and equip them well. Because a leader who fights big enemies alone will have no one to help him when he is hurt. There will be no one to watch out for you in fact, a team of qualified people can handle a situation more successfully than one person can. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. It says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith 
and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 11 to 12, it says, Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be empowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So surround yourself with people that are more knowledgeable and handle those crises very well. Number two, how to manage crisis or crisis management. Practice discernment. Practice discernment. Practice discernment. Practice discernment. A cardinal responsibility of a leader is to foresee where and when crises affecting his people or ministry are likely to occur. However, if a leader does not make right decisions, events may not cooperate. So always keep the possibility of unpreventable failure in your mind in order to deal realistically with the consequences. Expect things sometimes not to work out so that you're able to deal with the consequences. Now, uh, for example, if you're in a discussion with some of your associates and their conversation wanders aimlessly, it may be because they are unsure of what is happening or they are trying to conceal something. A wise leader will discern and clarify the problem. Never allow your people to move on something when they are unsure of what they are doing. Never allow that. Number two, when you... when uh, your associates huh, begin to whisper among themselves behind your back. You are beginning to lose their loyalty. So you as a wise leader, you will stop what you are doing and seek the root cause of the turmoil among your people. It is actually easier to deal with a cub than a full-grown lion. So it's better to prevent a crisis from arising than to deal with one that is fully blown. Too many leaders are actually busy putting out fires they could have prevented if they had been operating with the spirit of discernment or if they had not been distracted by too many things happening in their own lives. So deal with things early enough. Proverbs 17 verses 24 says, A discerning man keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. A leader who does not prepare for difficulties when they are distant will not escape them when they are close. A leader who does not prepare for difficulties when they are distant will not escape them when they are close. Another way of, of uh, crisis management is be patient. Be patient. A leader must be stable, patient, and balanced in his or her ways and judgment especially when a ministry is going through an intense situation or crisis, a wise leader will be careful not to introduce changes that could wait. In such a time, they should stick with familiar methods until the ministry stabilizes or until the people you're leading are stable. Change can intensify the existing crisis. Exercising patience at such times is wisdom. In fact, most people work better with already established procedures and equipment uh, with which they are familiar as opposed to new 
methods. So this creates a stable environment for them in spite of difficulty, it makes them feel comfortable and more secure. They will be able to produce and see some results even if it's at a reduced level. So you as a wise leader should let your people adjust to new ideas, machinery or environment before demanding more from them. It's also important when you are training new associates, seek to build people up if you want much from them. Most people will be productive if they are in a comfortable state of mind with healthy emotions. This means that a wise leader will not use aggravation and intimidation as a way of pushing the people to produce more. However, a good leader will sell the vision to the people when it is theirs, half the battle is already won. For success, different situations require different methods of approach. However, stability should be pursued and maintained as much as possible during the crisis time. Do things the easy and well understood way. Operate from positions which can be easily understood and defended. Take extra care to avoid unnecessary conflicts and problems. Pray with your staff. Pray with your people. Be easy to get along with. Choose your battles. And sometimes you must be willing to lose in order to win. Sometimes you must be willing to lose in order to win. So choose your battles wisely. Crisis uh, management uh, way number four. Stay strong and focus. You as a wise leader, you must take time to relax before dealing with hard and sensitive situations. This will help stabilize your emotions. You should not allow pressure to get the best of you, but try to be relaxed, confident, and enjoyable to work with. Dealing with hard uh, situations when one is emotionally exhausted uh, can actually be damaging and counterproductive. It is even difficult to pray when exhausted, and you know that. So discouragement can easily settle in, and most crises can wait until you have taken a deep breath. So always breathe. You need to breathe. Now, these guidelines apply to the leader and to members of the team as well. So sometimes you need to tell people, breathe. It's okay. It's going to be well. Don't worry. This too shall pass. This storm shall also go away. So a leader uh, that is who is aware of and sensitive to the emotional climate of those around them will allow them time to fortify themselves physically and spiritually before tackling a major crisis. Even better, avoiding fatigue and staying prayed up can often keep a minor crisis from becoming a major one. You see most men of God when they are being persecuted and attacked, one of the major things they do is they keep quiet. Why? They are fortifying themselves. They are maintaining stability in their emotions that when they begin to approach from a place of prayer, they'll have the results that they need in God. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Even a crisis, this, um, even in a crisis, uh, usually uh, a spiritual leader must have a positive outlook on negative situations. Keep your attention focused not on obstacles but on the benefits of the success. Creating a positive environment filled with faith and enthusiasm will give strength and a sense of victory to your people. Uh, crisis management point number five, maintain a good reputation. Maintain a good reputation. Proverbs chapter 16 and verses 7 says, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to live at peace with him. Maintain a good reputation. The enemy will try to discredit you and your ministry. He, uh, he will pounce on any tiny opportunity to cast a shadow on the reputation of a Christian leader or his ministry. Uh, he will combat his tactics by walking cautiously and minimizing. Um, uh, so you as a leader, you should actually fight and stand in faith by walking cautiously and minimizing your weaknesses as much as possible. Uh, more will be said uh, about this actually in the next chapter where I'll be expounding for you details on this. But to stand firm through hard times, you as a leader should use your skills and experience to uphold your integrity and faith in God. You should also spend time in prayer, fasting, and seeking godly counsel. Without this, many leaders actually crack under pressure. Spend time in prayer, fasting, and seeking godly counsel. How do you seek godly counsel? Again, find people that are experienced, knowledgeable, and understand situations that you might be going through now, and probably they have gone through them, and they'll help to guide you. And um, so let's look at something else um, that uh, you should be careful not to do. A leader should be careful to avoid taking initiative in matters that he or she does not understand or which do not pertain to him. You should not do things blindly, but should first understand the vision and direction of your superiors. Mistakes in this regard can lessen people's faith in you. So be careful to avoid taking initiative in matters that, do not, that you do not understand. Number two, nothing limits a leader's ability to grow as does too much fear of the unknown. A leader must, must learn to walk by faith and face the unknown with courage, not timidity. You should rally support if the situation so requires. So don't fear. Deal with fear. Another factor is a leader who habitually hesitates to act on the knowledge, uh, on the knowledge and experience that you have can greatly hinder the progress of your ministry or organization. You can be a liability in terms of missed opportunities. Soon your people will see that you are indecisive and will be reluctant to follow you. So use your knowledge and experience when the need arises. While there are times when a young leader is granted considerable freedom to act, such freedom does not grant you the right to interfere with other people's affairs. Being known as a meddler 
is definitely a reputation that you need to avoid. Don't be a leader that pokes their nose in every situation, including those that do not concern you. Yeah, don't be a meddler, all right, uh, because it can affect your reputation. A leader who feels the need to control every action taken by uh, their people eventually destroys their will to take initiative in their they lose their ability to make decisions on their own so allow people make mistakes my spiritual father always tells me allow people to make mistakes let them try things fail learn from them don't you know push people too much when they do something you want to inquire why are they doing it when are they doing what is the purpose no allow people to do things allow people to think reason they're all serving god along with you um i know about a leader actually who lost some good workers because um he made every decision for them when he was away they had to wait for him to return to tell them what to do next and what to put where and what to not do so because he was too involved in the minor details some of which he was not qualified to handle anyway this caused a lot of frustration um throughout the ministry and most people left so a christian leader does not want the reputation of being oppressive and uh or tyrannical so avoid that uh crisis management way number six communicate 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 keeping the lines of communication open in times of crisis is of uttermost importance it can make the difference between life or death success or failure in an organization or ministry the importance of proper and effective communication cannot be overemphasized by me in fact effective communication can often prevent a crisis situation from occurring and on the other hand people who do not communicate properly can create unnecessary crisis pray and allow the holy spirit to lead you in effective communication with your people Ephesians chapter 4 verses 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Praise be to God. Okay, uh, say what you mean and speak honestly. If you're communicating, say what you mean and speak honestly. Honestly, James 5, 12, it says, Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Next, be a doer. Let your actions speak for themselves. Leave unnecessary talk to others and never waste other people's time. Next, do business with people of honor who communicate with integrity. Next, let your tone of voice reflect a calm and gentle spirit. Okay? Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let's read Ephesians, uh, sorry, Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 and 7. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything but prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace him 
whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Maintain a gentle spirit. Speak with reason and observation, especially in important matters. Another factor, uh, another factor, uh, carefully consider all decisions before speaking, especially if they affect other people. Carefully consider all decisions before speaking, especially if they affect other people. Proverbs chapter 15 and verses 2. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fools gushes fully. Proverbs chapter 15 and verses 4. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Be open to the suggestion of others, especially those whom you trust. Look at Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He, aw he wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. Avoid listening to or speaking flattery. Listening to flattery can weaken a leader. It can fill their heart with pride and cause them to ignore constructive criticism. Speaking flattery is a form of dishonesty and manipulation. A Christian leader will be alert um, to recognizing the difference between flattery and praise. And uh, this is crazy because if it is flattery, even when they tell you the errors that you're making, you get offended. So be careful. The book of Jude chapter 1 verse 16 says, These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. So there are people who will flatter you because they know you will favor them. They say good things about you. Hey mama, you know, you're a good leader. You're so loving. Hey, we have never had a leader like you. Hey, I, in fact, they should never change you as our leader. Oh, be careful. Some people are there to flatter you. Okay, so be very careful. Romans chapter 16 and verses 18 says, For such people are not serving our Lord Christ by their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Don't be naive. Ooh, don't be naive. Job chapter 32 verses 21 to 22 says, I will show partiality to no one, nor will I flatter any man. For if I were skilled in flattery, my maker would soon take me away. Let's look at the book of Psalms chapter 36 verses 1 to 3. An oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness uh, concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear, okay? There is no fear of God before his eyes. Sorry about that. That's my alarm warning me, but we're almost done. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his son. The words of his mouth are wicked and deceitful. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. Proverbs chapter 29 and verses 5 says, Whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net 
for his feet. So, a leader who constantly seeks to find fault in others usually causes harm and creates an environment of distrust for everyone. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, uh, God forgive you. Now, the work of a Christian leader in good times or hard times is to destroy seeds of fear, doubt, and distrust sown by other people or situations. This is very important because people cannot actually work effectively in the climate of fear and distrust. A leader must be a faith builder. A leader uh, uh, also must avoid making mistakes and rushing decisions as much as possible. He should be content and is a person of strategy, learns from others by using their mistakes as learning examples, avoids making the same mistake twice. Now, a leader is also an encourager, knows that people thrive when they are praised and shown affection. Leaders who lead by hitting people over their heads are from the old school. They need to learn new people skills. Spiritual leaders must take time to build up their people through positive input. In fact, a kind word will go a long way, especially when everyone is trying to manage a crisis situation. We're going to end with this verse, Proverbs chapter 12, 25. An anxious heart weighs a man down but a kind word cheers him up. Thank you so much for attending class. I pray you've learned so much about crisis management, how to face crisis and conflict, and you're going to learn to exercise this and become a better version of yourself. The Lord bless you, keep you, I love you, God bless you, and shalom.